Heavenly Father, we want to pray now, Lord, for this message, Lord. Pray, Lord, that there are there out there, fathers, Lord, that do they really know the real meaning of being a real father? And can they follow the example of you, Lord? Lord, or have they been following your example, or are they slacked off, Lord? Help us tonight to see the example you set in your word, Lord. Because, Lord, we know that if we follow your example, we'll be better fathers than any fathers that's ever lived on this planet. So, Lord, help us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, first we're going to get Ruthie here to read what Father's Day is all about. Then we're going to get to preaching on it. Amen. When observed, third Sunday in June. Earliest observance, July 5th, 1908, Fairmont, West Virginia. A Father's Day service was held on July 5th, 1908, in the Central Church in Fairmont, West Virginia, by Dr. Robert Webb, at the request of Mrs. Charles Clayton. In 1912, at the suggestion of the Reverend J.H. Berenger, pastor of the Irvington Methodist Church, the people of Vancouver, Washington, conducted a celebration. They believed it to be the first such ceremony. An important figure in the Honor Father movement was Harry C. Meek, past president of the Uptown Lions Club of Chicago, who said that he had the first idea for Father's Day in 1915. He began to suggest it in speeches before various Lions Clubs, and the notion took hold. Members set the date for Father's Day as the third Sunday in June, the Sunday nearest Meek's birthday. The Lions crowned him the originator of Father's Day. The Father's Day's most influential promoter was Mrs. John Bruce Dodd of Spokane, Washington. The idea of a Father's Day celebration came to her first while listening to a sermon on Mother's Day in 1909. Her own father, William Jackson Smart, had accomplished the task of raising six children, Mrs. Dodd and her five brothers, after his wife died at an early age. The sacrifice of her father on their eastern Washington farm called to mind of unsung feats of fathers everywhere. With the support of her minister, Dr. Rammers, she composed a letter to the Reverend Conrad Blum, president of the Spokane Ministerial Association, in which she set forth her proposal for Father's Day. The association approved of the idea at the Spokane YMCA, agreed to publicize it. Thus, Spokane in 1910 was the first city to honor fathers with a special day. The day chosen for Mrs. Dodd was June 5th, her father's birthday. However, because this did not allow sufficient time for the ministers to prepare sermons, the first Spokane Father's Day actually took place on the 19th, the third Sunday in June. The mayor of Spokane issued a Father's Day proclamation, and the governor, M.E. Hay, set the date for an observance throughout the state. Mrs. Dodd's suggestions for observing the day, including meaning a flower and red rose to indicate our living father and a white rose for a dead one. In 1972, the day finally was established permanently when Richard Nixon signed a congressional resolution. His action eliminated the need for an annual designation and put Father's Day on the same continuing basis as Mother's Day. Giving gifts has become a material part of the occasion and greeting for fathers. Grandfathers, uncles, brothers, sons, other relatives, and friends are widely sent. 
Father's Day has become another happy occasion for family dinners and gatherings. More or less, another reason to put more calories down the gullet just so you have to work them off later. Yeah, glory. And, and if Ruthie's around, all she'll do is just cook some more. Amen. Make, make too many homemade biscuits and homemade gravy and homemade mashed potatoes. Now everybody's homemade pie and all that. Yeah, get their mouth water and homemade chocolate chip cookies. Yep. Yeah, glory. All right, well, too bad. I'm not sharing. <laughs> hey, man, I'm getting greedy. <laughs> you notice something here? See, it's uh, very much a parallel to Mother's Day. There's nothing wrong with Father's Day. Nothing wrong with setting aside a day to remember what fatherhood is supposed to be. But when you go overboard... And worship fathers, then you've gone too far. See, the idea isn't, once again, not against having a Father's Day. It's the idea of what you're doing with it. There's not one single holiday that you could, outside of Halloween itself, that you can't say this about. These other holidays, it ain't why we're, it ain't the fact we're celebrating them. It's why we're celebrating them. It ain't the fact that we have them. It's what you do to celebrate. I mean, come on, New Year's Day. What's got the ball dropping got to do with Jesus? But you can celebrate that as a reminder. You could have a uh, um, watch night service and remind yourself as the new year comes in that you ought to be praying it in. Amen. You ought to be serving God as it comes in and goes out. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with Christmas when you're emphasizing Jesus and you take fat boy and send him back to hell where he came from. And send Frosty the Snow Devil down there with him. And Rudolph the Red-Nosed Devil and all the other ones with him. Uh, you know? Send all the Scrooge down there to hell where he belongs. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. And Tiny Tim with him. Amen. Why don't we just stick to Jesus and Jesus alone? Pinocchio's down there burning in hell, too, you know? So that's the whole point, you know? Let's stick Christmas to what it's supposed to be. Well, the same thing with Father's Day. Let's stick it to reminding ourselves of not only fathers on the earth, but what about reminding ourselves of our Heavenly Father? And how much are we like our own Heavenly Father? Well, you know the sad thing is? Fathers, there's a song out there that says, talks about, it's from a child's perception. It says, uh, look, look who's walking behind you. Uh, quit swaying while you're walking. Quit going side to side. Quit, quit, uh, quit walking like you can't even walk straight. Get off, you know, whether, whatever it is. You, I'm falling in your footsteps, and if you can't walk a straight path, how can I? Well, the same thing happens here. If you are a Christian and you're a man, you should be worshiping Jesus no matter what. Well, let's take a look at a scripture that's very familiar. It tells us about what... The Father of all mankind, Jesus Christ, and the Father, what He had to say about us. John chapter 3 and verse 16, which is very familiar. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, 
For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now think about that. God didn't send His Son down here to condemn or send you to hell. When the Mormons and them throw up in your face, Oh, well, that's not a God of love that would send people to hell. No, they sent to hell. They, they elected to go to hell. God did everything He could to put a roadblock in their way. Is it his fault that they ran around a railroad crossing and a train hit them? The train of death? And they went to hell? Is it, their fa- is it God's fault? No, he had the railroad gates down. If you're, hey, that's like a railroad gate, man. If the railroad gate's down and you're dumb enough to go around it and play uh, Russian, Russian roulette with your life, hey, if you get hit by the train, you ain't got no one to blame but your sorry stinking self. Amen. Amen. So, look, when, you, when you're a father, look what God did. He gave. Why is it that us as fathers can't take that to heart and give a little ourselves? Give to our families, give to our wife, give to our children. I'm not talk about always coughing up money, although the women sometimes don't like that. But, uh, <laughs> oh, glory, I'm, yeah, I'm, I went from preaching to meddling right there. Amen. <laughs> but actually, no, not all women do that. But the whole point is, not all women do that, but sometimes, I mean, you, you de- do need things in the household. But the whole point is, the whole point comes down to, look, some men don't give any of their time, attention, or any of it to their wives. And vice versa. And that's what's wrong. Amen. So, I mean, come on, give. And don't condemn. Jesus didn't wasn't sent to condemn nobody. Now think about it. For God so loved you that he gave Jesus that if you would just believe in him, that is Jesus, you would not perish, that is go to hell, but you would have eternal life, that is go to heaven. For God sent not Jesus into this planet of earth called the world to condemn you, but through Jesus, you would be saved. Now that's a message that I think all fathers should know and be able to proclaim to their children. Amen. But you know what? They don't. They don't. But you see, us as fathers, we got... A little bit of a duty ourselves. Amen. Now, here's something else about God the Father, too. I'm going to have Ruthie help us here. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Hebrews 12, 1 to 8. Now, we're going to break it down just a little bit as we go, Ruth. Okay? So, here, I'm going to let you read them for me. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. First thing, how many out there know anything about track and field events? Well, see, in the old days or even in today's day, what they have, runners have these weights that they use. Yeah, literal weights. And what they do is, when they're in the starting position, when that gun goes off, they throw them behind them. And as they throw them, that gives them a little extra thrust 
to start the race. Sin, especially those sins that constantly nag at us, those are the sins that weigh us down. What we need to do is cast them off and get a good start for Jesus. Amen. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. Now, he says, look, Jesus himself was willing to endure the contradiction or the hatred of sinners despising the shame of all that to come to save us. But then the writer says, look, someone needs to write to you and talk to you just like you're and let you know what the Father in Heaven has to say to His children. So our Father in Heaven has got something to say to us children and we ought to be paying attention. Okay, what does he say? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. I think you end with eight, right? Okay. Well... What does it say here? God is saying to us fathers, look, one thing we need to know is when to chase him. Sorry uh, to the Department of Human Services. Sorry for the ACLU, the American Cockeyed Lawyers Union. But the fact is, God never took out of his word punishment and getting correcting of a child. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. It says, spare the rod and spoil the child. And it also says that thou shalt take and use, uh, use a rod on thy child. You, sh- you should beat him with a rod, and he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and deliver his soul. From hell. See, if you want your child to be raised upright, you got to discipline. No, I'm not saying you should beat him to death. Now, there's a fine line between a paddling and child abuse. Okay? There are some that take that and go way too far, I'm sorry to say. The Bible says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. The fear and admonition of the Lord. Uh, how do you do that? Well, respect. You don't go and beat your kid till he's ready to die. So, the Bible has to say that you, you need to take and show your children 
love. You don't beat on him till he's black and blue. No. In any way, hey, look just below his spinal column and just above his legs on the back side. Look at what God provided. Amen? I mean, that's some good, honest, disciplinary material right there. Amen. God put something there for you to use. Whoop the fire out of his behind. You know what I mean? Amen. Amen. But the hey, the, the thing is, there's a fine line between cruelty and honest-to-goodness discipline. All right? And the time does not permit for me to go into lengthy discussion over a good disciplinary approach that's biblical, but trust me, it's not abusive, all right? And you don't provoke your children to wrath. That means to anger. You don't get your kid, you don't beat on them so much and treat them like dogs so much. Hey, you beat on a dog long enough and you kick on a dog long enough, he's going to bite you sooner or later. I don't care how gentle the dog is, the sooner or later they're going to get sick of it and they're going to come back and they're going to give you something you don't want. Well, same thing with your children. You want them to respect you, you respect them. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us, makes it plain, that we as children of God, if we are chosen, if we're called, he says, now, if you received him, if you honestly received him, but yet you do not receive chastening from the hand of the Lord, when you're obviously in open rebellion and sin, Bible says, then are you bastards and not sons. Bastards is a plain out word for a child who was born out of wedlock by two people that had sex and were not married. Hello? Shack up partners that have kids out of wedlock. Those are bastards. I'm sorry. Call them what it is. That's what the Bible said. It means you're illegitimate. But you certainly ain't God's child if you're not being chastened by God. Because why would God chasten your behind if you were devils? Huh? That, that's crazy. I'd be like me going next door to my neighbor's kids, although they need it. Amen. Although they need it. It ain't my place to go over there and take a, a belt to their behind. It's their own mama and daddy's place. Amen. And if they're too wimpy to do it, they're just going to end up with a bunch of criminals when they grow up. Amen. bunch of drug addicts. That's where they come from. Amen. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Hello. That's how you do it. Amen. Now, let's take a look at something else. A very familiar verse. Now, fathers, I want you to remember this. The Bible also does say that we as men should love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. How much did he love you? He loved you enough to die for you. Well, all of a sudden, every man, when I go to read this next verse, is going to get their little head puffed up, blown up. It's going to be so big they can't get out the door with it. Couldn't haul it home on four semi-trucks. That's how big the head's going to get. But I'm going to burst your bubble when I'm done with you. Because God never had that intention. Genesis 3 and 16. Now let's take a look at this real quick here. Genesis 3, 16. Okay. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. 
In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy dire Zyrus shall be to thy husband. He shall rule over thee. Now, all of a sudden, all the women go, Oh, no, you're telling that man of mine to beat me with a stick. No, I didn't say that. No, it does say rule. But the word rule men does not mean that he has a billy club. That word rule means to set some guidelines. Guidelines, but not dictate or mandates. Okay? There's a difference between mandate and rule. Mandate is an unchangeable requirement, while a rule is something that is to guide a person with lateral mobility. For example, if I tell my wife I want her to go to the library and pick up some DVDs that we could watch tonight, just make sure they're good godly ones, well, that doesn't mean she has to pick up Ben-Hur. She could pick up Moses and the Ten Commandments. Wait a minute, it's a biblical movie, and it's not sinful. So, did she fall within the rule? Yes, she did pick up a DVD. Yes, she picked up one that was not sinful. But, she didn't pick up Ben-Hur. A mandate would be, Ruth, you go over to that library, and I want you to pick up Apollo 13. And nothing else. I don't care what you, you want to watch tonight. Tough, we're watching Apollo 13. That's a mandate. You see what I'm saying? A mandate would be, Ruth, you go down to the store here and you buy me a, a keg of beer. Whether you like it or not, you're going to buy me. That, that's a mandate. But a rule would be, Ruth, go down to the store. Here's a list of groceries we need. Would you please pick up the groceries? Now, it doesn't matter if she starts at the top of the list or the bottom of the list or in the middle of the list. So long as she gets all of the groceries on that list, who gives a rat's butt what order they're in? A mandate would be whining because they weren't picked up in the exact order that's on the list. While a rule says, long as you got the whole line of groceries, okay, you got them. Who cares in what order you got them? Hey, you're forgetting anyway. They're all going to come home in bags anyway. So who cares what order you put them in the grocery cart? Amen. Amen. And who cares what order she unpacks them out of the bags anyway? You're gonna make. You're gonna. You're gonna whine because she uh, took the tuna cans out of the bag before she grabbed the uh, packaged ground beef. Oh, you. You no. You, you're a dirty rotten dog. You turn expect her to dig out the ground beef first and stick it in the freezer, and then go get the tuna cans. At the dig under the tuna cans, but don't you dare take them out of that bag or I'm going to get mad. That, that, that's a mandate. You see what I'm saying? While the rule is, hey, there's the bags, there's the cupboards, get to work. <laughs> that's a rule. As long as you get them in the cupboard, I don't care. Now, with me, I have only one rule for Ruth, and that is keep all like cans together, but as long as you let me know where they're at in the cupboard. <laughs> now, that's only a rule, but... But it doesn't matter if this week the tuna cans are all on the right-hand side and next, next month when she gets groceries down the left, hey, just so long as I know where they're at, I don't care what side down. As long as they're in there and out of the way. So I ain't stepping over the top of them. Amen. That's a rule. But you know what? That's what God did. 
Remember, name one place where Jesus said, you have to do such and so and such and so my way or no way. Well, there's only one place. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. The only place something's mandated. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's the only place you find a mandate. Everything else is a rule. Well, what are you talking about? Uh, Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Those are rules that we can live by. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. See, those are, those are rules. Nice things to go by. As ye would that men should do unto you, do ye unto them likewise. For this is the law and the prophets. Love ye one another as I have loved you. Those are rules. Nice things to go by. But God ain't going to send you to hell if you don't keep everyone. Because you can't keep everyone, chump. Chump. You can't keep everyone anyhow, so shut up. Hey, man. Shut up. Now, can I prove that that word rule there, men, can I prove to you that that does not mean a mandate? Well, yes, I can. And also, I got a little something else to say to all the queers out there, too. Coming real quick here. All right, Ruthie, uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that creep that moveth upon the earth. You notice twice, verse 26 and verse 28. What did it say? And let them have dominion. Dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the beasts of the field. Name one place that God said to Adam, I'm going to give you dominion over woman. No, but he did say you will rule. Big difference. And here's the difference. Rule means to set a guideline. Dominion means to completely dominate or to require at your hand your will. That, that's a mandate. That, that, that's the difference. So when God told us to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and the beasts of the field, he meant complete control. We have pretty much done that. We got dogs that could lead blind people, help people in wheelchairs, help deaf people. Yes, we got dogs that do all that. That's what the we got pigeons that could carry messages for hundreds of miles and come right exactly back home. Well, the whole point is the whole point comes down to the fact that we have dominion over the animals. We tell them when to eat, what to eat, and how much to eat. That's dominion. Rule means you set guidelines allowing for lateral movement. A guideline is a simple set of rules that allows a person to know 
what the boundaries are, like, okay, you're driving down a highway. Everybody that's done driving knows this one. That on a freeway, going too slow, you'll be called impeding traffic if you're under 55 mile an hour to 50 mile an hour. You're impeding traffic. But if you're going above 65, you're speeding. So, if I'm driving at 49 mile an hour, I'm going to get a ticket for impeding traffic. If I'm driving at 66 mile an hour, I'm going to get a ticket for speeding. But if I'm driving at 62 mile an hour, am I within the speed limit rule? Yes. So it doesn't matter if I'm driving 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, or 65. So long as I'm within that lateral window, a policeman will drive right by me and not say one word to me. But let me get outside that window. He's got me. That is a rule. A domination or dominion would be for that cop to say, you have to drive at 61.3 mile an hour. No faster, no slower. If you go 61.2 or 61.29 or 63.1, I'm going to have you. That would be a mandate. But they don't. They give us lateral control over our vehicle to go anywhere between 55 and 65. So that's a rule, not a mandate. Well, men, think about it. God told us that he gave us that option with our wives. Why? Because Not because God has a wife and he does the same thing. It's because he loved the church. The church is his bride. He will have a wife. It's called the church. Hello? You are his bride. And he gives you lateral movement in the body of Christ to accomplish his work. But you step outside of that. Then all of a sudden you're in sin. But he don't expect you to get everything perfect because he knows you're not perfect. Although there are some out there that say they had the second work of grace and they no longer have a carnal nature. Well, unfortunately for them, uh, as long as they're on this planet and breathing our air of nitrogen and oxygen, let me excuse you, buddy Rowe, but you're in the flesh and that means you're going to sin. Amen. Amen. And hey, when you started to say you were perfect because you got the second work of grace, you sinned right there. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching now. Amen. I, hey. Hey, hey, squirrels, where are you when I need you? Amen. <laughs> where are the squirrels when you need them? Amen. But you notice something else? It says, And male and female created he them. It wasn't Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. It wasn't Joan and Judy. It was Adam and Eve. And anyway, name one time you've ever seen two men have a baby. Not unless they adopt, which is not natural. I'm talking about naturally. I've never seen two men, one of them, end up birthing a baby. 
never seen two women by themselves and no other contact with nobody else had a baby. Hello, you can't do it, boys and girls. So the Bible's got something to tell you right there that it's not natural. You're made to fit together. The Bible says we're perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same spirit. That's the way we should be as families. Fathers loving their children, loving their wives, setting reasonable guidelines, rules, by which the family can follow him as he follows Christ. Let me pull over and park on one more little thing before I close up tonight. And that is this. Any man who goes and tells his wife to buy him some booze, and she goes and does it, she's just as wrong as he is for doing it. Amen. Now I'm going to pull over and park right there. Sometimes the Bible expects the woman to stand up if she knows something ain't right and it's against God's word. It's, uh, it's her place to stand up as a Christian woman and say, I ain't doing that mess. You want that junk? You're going to bust your neck and you're going to go down to the store on your two feet. Uh-uh, I'm going to hide the keys because you ain't driving. Hey, man, you're not taking our car down there. You're not sending the kids down there. Oh, no. You're going to haul up off your lazy carcass, quit watching the Cleveland Browns, and you're going to get it yourself if that's what you want so bad. You want the sin, you're going to fight to get it. You're going to stumble over me to get to sin. It should be the same for the husbands. The fathers. The husband should be that way to his wife and should be the same with his kids. I'm sorry, Daddy. When you sit there and let your kids go take money and give them money for an allowance and then know they're going to take that very same money and go down there to the Led Zeppelin concert. Huh? Excuse me. I got a problem with that. What your rule ought to be is, uh, I want to see everything. You, I want to know where you're going. You tell me you want to go see Led Zeppelin, okay? You're going to find a way to buy them tickets. You're going to buy. You're going to have to go out there and get your own job, get your own money, and then you're going to have to live somewhere else because you ain't living under my house doing that mess. You ain't finding Led Zeppelin here. You might find Jesus here, but you ain't finding Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, his lead melted and went straight down to hell. So you, you keep old Zeppelin down there in hell where he belongs. And Striper can stripe their way to hell too. Amen. And all of it. And wasp could sting itself into the devil's face and stay down there too. Amen. All them wicked, rotten groups. Uh, Michael Sinson, uh, you know. Michael Jackson. All the rest of them dummies, eh? let them go to hell where they're already going. You want your sin? You're going you're gonna to stumble to get into your sin because I'm going to be in your way. Every chance you got, I'll, I'll prevent you from going. I won't even let you out the door. That's where you're going. You're going to you're gonna have to go out against my wishes if that's what you want. And then if you do, I'm going to whoop you. Amen. Because you ain't bringing that junk in this house. That's the way a father should be. Hey. But don't provoke your children to wrath. I mean, don't, don't put them in handcuffs, but I do mean you need to take a stand for Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for the message now. Lord, for those that are fathers out there, Lord, would you help them? Help us as fathers of men that are supposed to be blood-bought born again.
to follow your example, the way you loved us. You loved us enough to die for us. We should be willing, as a father, to give of ourselves more to our families than we are to the television set, the one-eyed devil. So, Lord, help us. We ask you, Lord, to just take over, Lord, and help us to know that, Jesus, you are God. As we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.